0: Chapter fourteen of the Quicks This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Pennycumquicks by Sabine Baring Gould. Chapter fourteen. Administration. Philip Pennycumquick returned to the garden. He was still greatly perplexed, but a new and disquieting suspicion had invaded his mind. He was now completely satisfied that no undue influence had been used to force the old man to make his extraordinary will he was also tolerably certain that he handed it to salome in good faith believing it to be untouched the will had been tampered with either just before or after his death it was hardly possible that this could have been done before when preserved as he little doubted in the iron chest in which Jeremiah kept all his deeds and papers of value. It was more probable that the mutilation had been effected afterwards, when carelessly kept in Salome's workbox, which probably had a lock easily fitted with a key, and which was sometimes incautiously left unlocked when Salome was not in her room. But who would be likely to do such an act, commit a felony? He dared not accuse his aunt even in thought such an accusation was too terrible he had no confidence in her rectitude his mistrust of her truthfulness had been deepened by her audacious assertion that jeremiah had worn a nightshirt she had given him a statement which he was convinced was untrue and one made by her to get over the difficulty about the linen of the drowned man differing from that known to have belonged to her brother he could not disguise from himself that on the supposition that mrs sidebottom had mutilated the will all the difficulty in explaining the mystery disappeared she had heard from salome where the will was in her desk and in her room it was to mrs sidebottom's interest to know its contents and to invalidate it when she did know them but philip though he held his aunt in low esteem could hardly think she could be guilty of such wickedness But how else explain the difficulty? Then again, supposing he reached moral conviction that she had tampered with the document, what course could he pursue? He had absolutely no evidence to justify a public accusation, and without very strong and conclusive evidence, he could not make such a charge, a charge of felony against his own aunt. When he considered the grounds on which his suspicion rested, he found how slight they were the facts were that mrs sidebottom knew where the will was that she was in the house and had opportunities of obtaining access to the will and that it was to her interest to destroy its force he had no reason to think his aunt morally capable of such a crime his belief in her veracity was shaken but it is a long way between telling a lie and committing a crime such as that he was half inclined to attribute to her With his mind still unsatisfied, he went to the study, where he knew he would find her. Captain Lambert had gone out. The captain had borne the restraint imposed on him by the death of his uncle with impatience. He had been prevented from playing his usual game of billiards. He had yawned in the morning, and stood at the window with his hands in his pockets, then had shifted his position to the fire, and stood before that with his hands behind him, and found neither position to his taste in the afternoon he had lounged between the two houses and had sauntered in the garden and grumbled and yawned continually in the evening when alone after dinner in his frogged smoking-jacket and slippers lounging in an armchair, he read a little and when philip was there talked with him but nothing satisfied him the field he found awfully dull his cousin awfully prosy and he pronounced as his criticism of every novel he dipped into that it was awful trash. Philip and Lambert had no interests in common, because Lambert had no interests at all. Philip was reserved, Lambert open, with the difference that exists between a purse and a glove. Philip had much in him which was not for all the world. Lambert had nothing in him whatever. Lambert was easy going. Selfish and good natured in what did not touch his own comfort and ease, he had little conversation, and what he had was uninteresting. We come across people continually who have to be dredged that anything may be got out of them, and when dredged, yield nothing to compensate the labor of dredging. In some rivers, it is worth while to try the depths with rakes and grapples or even by diving, for on examination, they yield gold dust diamonds and pearls but out of others nothing is extracted save pots weeds the waste matter and sewage of civilization when lambert was dredged he gave up worthless stuff scraps of stale news old jokes worn to pieces venerable conundrums that had lost their point and familiar anecdotes retailed without salt Undredged, he yielded nothing, except among those of his own mental caliber, and with them he talked about people he had met, houses at which he had visited, wines that he had drunk, game that he had shot, the relationships of his acquaintance, about jolly fellows, nice girls, good cigars, and scrumptious dinners. He was a harmless, lazy man, who would not willfully do what was wrong, and would never exert himself to do what was right there are tens of thousands of these negative beings about male and female useful in their way as nitrogen is of use in the atmosphere void of quality itself but diluting the active oxygen as certain ingredients are serviceable as fluxes to valuable metals but have no other known use in creation lambert's mother had energy for both and managed for herself and for him he was well content that it should be so It saved him trouble. He left her to decide everything for him as he left his clothes to be brushed and folded and put away by the servant. And as he was a man without a pursuit, he voted everything he had to do a bore and was voted by every one who knew him the worst of bores. Well, Philip, said Mrs. Sidebottom cheerily as her nephew entered. She was engaged in looking through a list of designs for morning dresses well philip i am knocked to pieces with the strain and am glad all is over i hope you have had a satisfactory interview with that girl brought her to a humble frame of mind and induced her to confess that she and her mother concocted that abominable will on the contrary answered philip gravely i am satisfied from what she and mrs Cusworth have told me that they had nothing to do with it not only was no undue pressure brought to bear on my uncle but they were completely ignorant of the contents of his testament fiddle-faddle said mrs sidebottom i don't give them credit for being such fools they had jeremiah in their hands for many years he made that will in their favour at their suggestion only when i came here did his conscience speak out and then he cancelled it the case is as plain as a pike-staff You wrong her, her mother, said Philip with some heat. You yourself, retorted Mrs. Sidebottom, accuse her of having employed unfair means to procure the will. I am only repeating what you said. I did so. I was hasty. I now regard both Mrs. and Miss Cusworth as incapable of such conduct. Why, what a weathercock you are! You men are easily talked round by women a cow has horns a horse has hooves and a dog teeth for self-protection but a woman has only her tongue which she can use skilfully far more skilfully than the brutes use their weapons why philip there are insects that accommodate themselves in colour and appearance to the ground they are on or the tree or leaf they are destroying so as to escape detection and you would have this precious salome less clever than an insect She has assumed the color necessary for imposing on your eyes. Philip winced. He had changed his mind twice with respect to Salome, and both times in consequence of an interview with her. I have a proposal to make, he said, but before making it, I must lay the case before you plainly. I desire nothing better, but I wish Lamb were here also. I wish first to discuss it with you alone. After that, we can take Lambert into conference. I am all attention. In the first place, I take it that my uncle made the will without having been subject to any direct pressure. Indirect there was, but that was also unconscious. The children had grown up in his house, he had become warmly attached to them, and when one was married, he provided for her. Most unbecomingly and unnecessarily he did as he thought fit the money was his own his savings and he had a perfect right to dispose of it as he considered proper in full possession of his faculties more than a twelve month ago he made a marriage settlement of a large sum on one of the young ladies and then as she was provided for he made his will providing for the sister miss salome had been as a daughter to him he loved her not less than he did miss janet and certainly had no intention that she should be left destitute when he was removed i grant you all that said mrs sidebottom he might have left her an annuity of fifty or a hundred pounds that would have sufficed but why leave her everything but there what is the good of discussing a document which is of no legal force allow me to proceed whether he acted rightly or wrongly is a question i will not enter into what he did was what he had proposed in his heart to do, to provide for Miss Salome, and to leave to Lambert and me only small annuities. He did not bequeath the factory to Lambert, whom he very well knew was not calculated to manage a business, and he did not leave it to me because he knew nothing about my capabilities and character. I think it is by no means improbable that there is something else behind. Miss Cusworth may be engaged to a suitable person whom uncle jeremiah approved as one likely to carry on the business and not throw it away i conceive that the will may have been prompted quite as much by concern for an old established and respected business as by regard for the young girl he may have calculated on the marriage but not have cared to allude to it in an early stage of the engagement this is merely a conjecture of mine and i have no knowledge of anything to substantiate it You must take it for what it is worth." Oh, that is likely enough. But as the will is cancelled, why harp upon it? Such I imagine was the mind of my uncle when he framed that will. In two words, he desired that the firm should be carried on, and that his adopted daughter should be provided for. I allow all that now the will has been invalidated in a mysterious manner by the signature being torn away by whom that was done is not known to us but i do not allow it is at all conclusive that uncle jeremiah did it himself of course he did it he did it because i was in murgatroyd and he had come to value me besides lambert had changed his name he had ceased to be a city batome and had become a penny come quick indeed he said as much to me he was mightily pleased at the change it was a compliment he took to heart philip frowned his aunt had recollections of things said and done that came in very conveniently to support her theories my impression is said philip that the will was not torn by my uncle but by someone else and pray said mrs sidebottom tossing her head and moving uneasily in her seat do you suspect any one i accuse no one he said dryly i have no right without evidence to do so good gracious me laughed mrs sidebottom what an imagination you are endowed with philip first it leads you to scheme out the whole story of the concoction and destruction of the will and this you pour out on salome cusworth then you withdraw the charge and you conceive a probable engagement between this young minx and an admirable crichton who is to manage the mill and carry on the business and now you have an idea of some outrageous fraud having been committed save us from such vagaries of the fancy as it was my uncle's intention that miss cusworth should be left comfortably off and as by whatever means his will has been mutilated she is now left wholly unprovided for which is most certainly against his wish i propose to you that we who become the heirs should do something to assure to miss cussworth a provision at least equal in amount to that made for her sister i-i do not understand what i say is plain enough we who share the property of my uncle must deduct from our shares in equal proportions such sum as will when invested bring in for the sole benefit of miss Cusworth, the modest sum of a hundred and fifty pounds per annum a hundred and fifty fiddlesticks said mrs sidebottom i'll be hanged before i agree to that to what extent then do you propose to meet my suggestion not at all i will not consent to give her a farthing you declined to carry out the wishes of your brother i dispute that they were his wishes at one time maybe before i arrived at murgatroyd after that he changed his mind altogether and in evidence he cancelled his will i am by no means prepared to allow that that was his doing a hundred and fifty pounds why at four per cent that would be nearly four thousand pounds i would rather throw my money into the sea or give it to a hospital i repeat it was the purpose of the testator to provide for miss cussworth he had not altered his purpose on the night that he died for he handed her the will to keep in such a manner according to her own account interjected mrs sidebottom as showed that he believed the will was untouched either before that or after i cannot say when or by whom The act had been committed, which destroyed the value of the will. But Uncle Jeremiah to the last intended that the young lady should be provided for. I will consent to nothing. Very well, said Philip. As you cannot agree to my proposal, no other course is left me than to enter a caveat against your taking out an administration. What good will that do? It will do no good to anyone, to you least of all. I shall state my grounds before the court that I believe the will of my uncle, which I shall present, has been fraudulently dealt with by some person or persons unknown, and I shall endeavor to get it recognized, although it lacks his signature. "'What?' exclaimed Mrs. Sidebottom, turning all colors of mottled soap. "'Throw away your chance of getting half.' "'Yes, because I will not be unjust.' Mrs. Sidebottom was silent. She was considering her fidgets showed that she was alarmed. You will be able to effect nothing, she said. The court would say that Jeremiah acted improperly when he left his property away from his family, and that he did right in cancelling the will. Anyhow, I shall contest the grant of letters of administration. What a chivalrous knight that girl has found in you, sneered Mrs. Sidebottom you had better throw yourself at her feet altogether philip made no answer mrs sidebottom fished up an antimacassar that had been on the back of her chair but had fallen from it and had been worked into a rope by her movements in the chair she pulled it out from under her and threw it on the floor i detest these things she said they are shoppy and vulgar only third rate people such as Cussworths would hang them about on sofas and armchairs. Philip remained unmoved. He knew she was talking about antimacassars merely to gain time. Presently he said, I await your answer. Mrs. Sidebottom looked furtively at him. She was irritated at his composure. Very well, as you like, she said with a toss of her head. BUT I DID NOT EXPECT THIS INHUMAN AND UNREASONABLE CONDUCT IN YOU, PHILIP. I TAKE YOU AT YOUR WORD. THAT IS SETTLED BETWEEN US. NOW LET US TURN TO ANOTHER CONSIDERATION. THE MILL MUST NOT BE STOPPED. THE BUSINESS MUST BE CARRIED ON. I DO NOT SUPPOSE THAT LAMBERT CARES TO ENTER INTO COMMERCIAL LIFE. CERTAINLY NOT. OR THAT YOU PARTICULARLY RELISH LIFE IN Murgatroyd. I HATE THE PLACE. I am quite willing to undertake the management of the factory at first provisionally till some arrangement has been come to between us as soon as the administration is granted we shall consider the division of the estate and deduct equally from our several shares that portion which we have resolved to offer to miss cussworth as you please said mrs sidebottom sulkily but you treat me abominably however now i suppose unopposed by you i can ask for right to administer yes on the conditions to which you have agreed wait this house is mine i suppose then i will clear it of those who are odious to me she started from her seat and left the room End of Chapter 14.